This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Welcome to New Life, everybody. I am so glad that you're here. Uh, You're probably wondering uh, what is going on, why I'm riding a grown-up Razor scooter and all that. I, um, I ruptured my Achilles tendon playing indoor soccer on Wednesday night. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. Awesome, really. I took three steps at the end of the game, fell over, felt like someone kicked me in the calf, looked up. No one was around. No one seemed to notice. Uh, there was no foul. I was extremely confused. It ruptured. Five weeks, no surgery. The great, uh, the great side of it is uh, I get to ride those really cool carts at Target, the electric carts, which I haven't done since I was about 16 and I took one at 1 a.m. So it's fantastic. They even had this backup beeper this weekend. It was beep, beep, as you're backing up. It's like, that's, I just kind of lean back, you know. Um, so that's that. So if you're wondering, if you have a foot issue, you don't like toes, feel free to move to that side of the auditorium. I apologize. You're just going to have to deal with it. So... Uh, hey, when you came in this morning, you should have gotten a program that looks just like this. You're going to want to grab some stuff out of that because uh, I'm going to guide us through our time together, and this will help us on that journey. Uh, this card that says Start Here is a great place to start. It's our connection card. It's a key connection point between us and you, between you and this community, and ultimately our hope is that this will help us connect you to God because that's our goal is to help you connect with God. And if you're brand new, if it's your first time, I am so glad you're here. Uh, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors. I'll be guiding us today. And uh, I just hope that you make yourself comfortable. Feel free to kick your feet up. I have, uh, so you should be able to grab some coffee if you want to. Uh, and fill this card out as much as you feel comfortable doing for us, because we're going to be doing some things with it later on today. So go ahead and get that ready. You also want to grab your teaching notes out, because they'll let you know uh, where we're going to be going this morning, because we are rounding the corner of what I believe has been our best summer ever. Uh, we're in this journey that we're calling Summer of Love, and Summer of Love is basically looking at how we can love God and love people uh, more broadly, more deeply, more fully than we ever thought possible, because we believe this, that when we love God with all of our being, and we love our neighbor the way that we love ourselves, that God actually does something in us, and he gives us the kind of life we are created to live, a life of purpose and passion and vision, a life that's worth getting up in the morning for, a life that's worth telling stories about. And so we've been on this journey. It's been incredible. Uh, People have just been loving in some crazy ways. We created these bags that we called love bombs. They're basically, they're bags with um, water, some some food supplies. It's got a list of uh, housing and food resources in here for folks who basically find themselves on the street with nothing to do, with nowhere to go. We've made 389 of these. So 389 of these are in cars and being given out all over Sonoma County right now. Uh, We just created a hundred more. They're $5 a bag, and you can buy one at the Activities Hub uh, in the lobby on your way out. But these are just a great resource. If God ever stirs you to care for someone you find on the side of the road, uh, it's something for you to have, more than 50 cents or a dollar. This is just a great resource for you to have. So we've got those going. Uh, We had 41 people do our blood drive last week, which was absolutely incredible. They were hoping for 29. We had 41, and it was just absolutely amazing. We've got, I think, between five and 600 stories to my right on this wall of the way that we have been loving God and loving people through our Love Does wall. God's just doing some incredible stuff in us right now, and we are just absolutely loving it. We're loving it. 
Well, I have a, a question for you. How many of you are like me, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, but don't worry, I'm not going to call on you, I'm not going to pick you, you're not even signing up for anything. But how many of you are like me, and at some point uh, you had some sort of church experience before New Life? You grew up going to church, you had some sort of church experience. Okay, so a lot of us have had some sort of church experience. Uh, I had a number of different church experiences growing up. We were Presbyterian for a while. Uh, I got kicked out of that children's ministry for being a child, basically. Um, we were Baptists for a while, and that was kind of exciting. We were Nazarenes when I hit my teenage years, and I decided to, um, yeah, I get a shout out. Nazarenes don't really shout out, but that's okay. You can shout out. You're recovering. Um, it's a joke. Uh, I decided in my teenage years to date the Nazarene pastor's daughter, uh, which was not a good choice. Have you ever felt like the pastor is just speaking directly to you in a sermon? Well, if you date his daughter, he is literally speaking directly to you. I mean, every relationship talk was like, it was terrifying, terrifying. Would not suggest it, especially if your kids are in the four to five-year-old range, because I have a daughter. I would not suggest it. Just throwing that out there. Uh, But so, I, so these churches, you know, some said don't drink, some said don't smoke, don't dance, don't wear a wedding ring, you know, lots of rules, do's, and don'ts, depending on the church that you grew up in. You probably had different rules, different things that were in bounds, different things that were out of bounds. I remember uh, talking to a gal when I worked at Sonoma State doing college ministry, and she was told that she was going to hell because she walked into an auditorium chewing gum. And so the religious leader of that organization said, you're going to hell for chewing gum in the auditorium, which she thought, well, if I'm going to hell anyway, why waste my time at church? You know, until she, she came to a ministry that we were part of and gave her life over to Jesus. But, but you've had all sorts of different experiences growing up, but I would guess that most of us had one common experience, regardless of the denomination, regardless of the church. I'm guessing our experience was getting there, for the most part, was good enough. Showing up was, was good enough for the pastor. He just kind of wanted you there at least three Sundays a month, and that was pretty darn good, and it was good enough for you. It seemed like the goal was simply to get your backside into the seat on a regular basis so that it didn't feel empty, and being there was kind of an end in itself. And so we went through this routine growing up where you would go to church, you'd check it off your list, you'd go live life for the week, and then you'd come back and you'd check your uh, church off your list again. And you'd come, and you'd listen, and you'd go home. Come, listen, go home. And that was good enough in the beginning. In the beginning, it was fine to come, to hear the message, to learn a few songs, and then to go home. But over time, if you're like me, that left you feeling a little bit unfulfilled. It left you asking questions like, isn't there more to following Jesus than come, listen, go home, come, listen, go home, rinse and repeat for 52 weeks a year for the next 50 years? There's, there's got to be something more to church than learning a few songs, hearing a few messages, throwing a few bucks in the offering basket, and heading home. Because I don't care how, how, church, how good your church is. If that's all it is, if that's all it is, then over time it kind of becomes like a spectator sport. And over time, church became, for a lot of us, like the spectator sport, which just left us unfulfilled and disengaged. And so you hit a certain point in your life. Maybe it's when you got married. Maybe it's when you had kids. Maybe it's when you were a teenager that you thought, you know what, it's just not all that great. Because church kind of became like a TV show. And some TV shows are better than other TV shows. Uh, Some are higher quality. Some have better actors. But the truth is, uh, if you miss a week of a TV show, you can come back the next week or two weeks later and pretty much figure out what's going on. And the truth is, for some of us, if, if church became a spectator sport, then there were certain Sundays 
where football was more exciting than watching church. Going to the lake was more exciting than watching church. Watching your kids play sports was more exciting than watching church. And listen, I had that experience growing up. There were always things that were more exciting than watching church. But Jesus, Jesus, when he, when he talked about church, he never talked about it as a spectator sport. In fact, that was the furthest thing from his mind. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus was walking with his disciples, his 12 closest followers, and he made a prediction and a promise about the church. And it had nothing to do with the things that we associate with church. And the thing that Jesus said, and we're going to study it a little bit this morning, the thing that Jesus said is a key to experiencing the life that we keep talking about, a life of purpose and vision and passion, a life that's, that's worth living, a life that uh, is a story worth telling from generation to generation to generation. And so in, gen- in um, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is walking down this dirt road on his way to a, a, a place called Caesarea Philippi, and he pulls over to the side of the road, and he has a conversation with his disciples about about the church and what the church is supposed to be. And he makes this great prediction. In Matthew 6, 13, he says this. When Jesus came to this region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say basically that I am? That was one of his phrases for himself, Son of Man. Who do people say that I am? He basically said, listen, people are talking about me, right? I mean, I know there's a word on the street about me. Who do people say that I am? And they replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist, who was the present day kind of this prophet who went before Jesus. Others say Elijah. Still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets in the Old Testament. And Jesus looked at them and he said, well, what about you? Who do do you say that I am? Which, by the way, I just want to pull over to the side of the road in our conversation for a second. That's an incredible question that someday, someday we all need to answer. You might be here today and you're just checking out uh, the church, checking out God, checking out Jesus, checking out this whole Christian thing. Uh, I want to tell you, you don't have to answer that question today. Maybe you haven't done the research, you don't know the answer, but someday, someday between this day and your last day, someday every one of us is going to have to answer that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Because the answer to that question will affect every single part of your life here and every part of your life into eternity. And Simon Peter answered him, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. There's that phrase. I want you to circle it and underline it. On this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overcome it. And we have to talk about this word church for a few minutes because when, when we think of church, we think of location, we think of place, we think of denomination, we think of music styles or dress codes or rules. Um, we, we think, hey, we have a pretty nice church. It's kind of big. Sure, some of the flowers are falling off the wall, but, you know, other than that, um, it's a great place. It's a great place. And I love, I love this place. This is a great place. But when Jesus talked about church, that's not what he meant. He makes this incredible promise. He says, on this rock, and when he says this rock, he's talking about the declaration that Peter has just made, that you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You are the Savior of the world. On this rock, on this reality that, that Jesus is God in the flesh, 
come to, to forgive people of their sins and draw them back into a relationship with their Heavenly Father and help them to experience the full life with God that they were created for. On this rock, I'm going to build my— and then he uses this really interesting little Greek word. And I don't like to geek out on the Greek too much, but, but i got to share this with you just for today. He uses this Greek word, and, and it's the word ekklesia. And ekklesia literally means, and it's up there on the screen, it means a gathering. He says, on this, on this rock, on this foundation, on this promise that Jesus is God in the flesh, doing something new, I'm going to build my gathering, my group of people, this community of people who are moving somewhere together. And he says, not even hell, not even hell will overcome my gathering. Buildings come and go. Denominations come and go. But this gathering that Jesus talked about, that he promised us some 2,000 years ago, has been gaining momentum and moving ever since Jesus made this promise. See, when Jesus thought about church, he didn't promise us a location. Locations are great. Locations are nice. Locations are are, are, are a place for us to gather together. But when he promised it, he promised a gathering of people who were moving somewhere together. And then Jesus went on and he he died on the cross. We just celebrated communion, uh, which remembers Jesus' death on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And then he rose again, and then he ascended into heaven. And the early church started out from there. And by the way, if you want to know what that church was like, you can read in the book of Acts what that church was like. It talks about this early church, but they started out and they did just what Jesus said they were going to do. They became a movement of people who believed that Jesus was God in the flesh, and that belief in Jesus drew them together from all over the ancient world in these little gatherings, these little ecclesias. And they began to do something with their lives. And in the early church, there were no spectators. You couldn't just come to a service and sit and watch. In the early church, it was a gathering of people moving together, doing something together, part of something together. And over time, this gathering gained momentum and people became part of it because when a group of people gathers together to love God and to love others in an incredible way, other people are drawn to it. And so this gathering began to grow and develop and it spread from this town to that town to this city and it got big and big until it became the official religion of the Roman Empire. And it got so big and so vast that somewhere over that time frame, the idea of a gathering actually got lost. See, people kept coming in and growing, and, and the more people came into it, the more people started to think, well, this is actually more of a, a thing that we come and we watch. It's a spectator sport. And then they started paying these, uh, these pastors to lead the church, and the rest of the people just kind of sat back and watched. And the pastors or the priests, they, they liked leading the church because it gave them power. It gave them authority. They could kind of tell people what to do. They could rule the masses. But the problem was people weren't experiencing life change. People were sitting on the sidelines. People began to feel unfulfilled and disengaged. And, and maybe you've had that experience growing up in church where you sat on the sidelines and you felt unfulfilled and you felt disengaged and you, you tried to figure out who to blame. Is it, the, is it the bad worship? Is it the bad teaching? You know, is it the, is it the potlucks? They don't give me the food I like. Like, what is it? And you realize, no, no, it's just that I'm on the sidelines and I'm not part of this gathering. Well, I want to fast forward to the 16th century. And a guy named William Tyndale came along, and he decided, I'm going to translate the Bible into English, because there was no English Bible. So he starts translating the Bible into English, and he, he gets to this, this part in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus says, on this rock, I'm going to build mine. And he sees that word, ecclesia, and he says, uh, the church has translated it as, as church, as location, as building. He said, but that word, ecclesia, that means a gathering. 
And so in the first English translation of the Bible, you never find the word church in there. It uses the word congregation. He says, on this promise, I'm going to build my congregation, my gathering. And, and he, he did it, and the religious leaders didn't like it, because if the church wasn't a building and a place, then they weren't in charge. And so they took William Tyndale, and they arrested him, and they strangled him to death, and they burned his body. Because he said, the church is a gathering, a movement. And they didn't like that, but the truth is, he got it right. He got it right. And in the understanding of what the church is supposed to be, see, that's where we find that's where we find our identity. That's where we find our, our purpose. Because you and I weren't created to sit and watch. We were created to be part of a movement, a Jesus movement that's going somewhere together. This whole Summer of Love series has been about following Jesus and loving him and loving people and going somewhere together. Because if we just sit and watch, it only produces bad things. Did you notice that? We become consumers of church. And so we find the church that fits our needs best, and we like that style best, and we like that preacher best. And maybe you've fallen into this trap. Maybe, uh, maybe you really love it when Ron preaches, or when Kevin preaches, or when, when this person leads worship, or when that person leads worship. And what happens is you become a consumer, and churches become something you come to and watch and, and consume. And it, it, it makes us bitter and, and disengaged and disillusioned and frustrated because we were never meant to experience life like that. Jesus promised 2,000 years ago that he was building a movement of people who was going somewhere together. And Jesus invites us to love God and to love people and then to be part of a gathering that's doing something together. And one of the key ways that we love God in this gathering is by serving God's people. That's just one of the ways that God created us to do it. And one of the love languages that we're talking about this series, this whole series is, is service. How do we serve God and how do we serve people? And one of the key ways that, that Jesus talks about serving God is by serving God's people. I just finished reading through the book of Galatians in my personal devotions yesterday morning. And so it's not on your notes, but at the end of Galatians, Paul says this. He says, whenever you have the opportunity, I want you to serve people, starting with the household of God, starting with God's people, and then working your way out from there. But there's a sense in which God's initial call for us is to love him and then to, to serve the people in his church. And so if we go back to Peter, that, that disciple that Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 16, Peter took this seriously. Peter started to lead the early church and started to, to move and grow and develop. And he wrote a book uh, called First Peter. And in First Peter chapter 2 verse 4, he says this, and he's talking to Jesus followers. So if you're a Jesus follower, he's talking to you and he's talking to me. And he says, you've come to, to him, to Jesus, and he's the living stone. We just sing that song, Cornerstone. He's the cornerstone. He was rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and he's precious to God. And then Peter says this incredible thing. He says, you also are little living stones being built up into a spiritual house. Peter says, remember, Jesus is the foundation. And then each of us who are part of this gathering, we're little unique stones and we're shaped differently. Some of us have, have more rough edges. Some of us are smoother. Uh, we have little unique gifts and talents and abilities. But Peter says, all of your stones, if you bring them together, they form together just perfectly in this spiritual house that not even the gates of hell can overcome. Now just think about that for a second. When we come together in community, when we begin to use our gifts and serve together to love God by serving the church, he promises us not even the gates of hell can break into that. 
can overcome that, can take that out. And so the question for us, the question for us is, what's my spot in this gathering? What's my spot? How can I, how can I love God through serving? How can I get off the sidelines and into the game? And we're going to talk about that this week, and we're going to talk about that next week. This week, we're going to talk about it within the church context. Next week, we're going to talk about it within the community and the world context. But how can I love God through serving? And I have, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is, if you can figure out the answer to that question, it will unlock something inside of you where you'll feel more, more fully engaged with God and connected with God than ever before. I can promise you that. You'll be, you'll, be, you'll be giving your life away more, doing more stuff. You won't be sitting on the sidelines, but there's something in it when you serve in the capacity you were created for that it just it opens something up inside of you. That's the good news. The bad news is I can't tell you what your thing is because you're unique and you have gifts and abilities and passions and quirks and, and I can't tell everybody what your thing is, which is why I can't say, everyone get into this ministry. Everyone get into that ministry. So that's the bad news. But the good news is I've got some questions for you to help you figure out the answers for yourself. And here's some questions that I want you to take home today and ask yourself. What am I passionate about? What am I passionate about? If you want to know uh, where God might be calling you to serve, leading you to serve, ask the question, what am I passionate about? What would you get up and do every day for the rest of your life if money was not an issue? That can help you figure out what you're passionate about. What gets you excited? What do you wake up in the morning thinking about? What do you go to bed at night just kind of thinking through your minds? Uh, how about this? Uh, what makes you angry? Uh, about 400 of us are reading a book called Love Does right now, and we're finishing that up together. But the author talks about um, hearing about some atrocities for children in Uganda and how it made him so angry that he decided he had to do something about it. The anger was the impetus for him to move forward and to do something, and he's changing the face of Uganda right now. One man who, who got angry about something that was worth getting angry for. So what are the issues in the world that make your blood boil? What are the issues in the church that just make you so angry that you know you have to do something about it? Those are just a few questions to help you out to figure out what you're passionate about. But the truth is passion isn't enough because when I was 21, I was passionate about worshiping God and I learned how to play guitar and I became passionate about leading worship. And so someone mistakenly said, why don't you lead worship for this college fellowship? And I started to lead worship there and I was bad. I, I, I'm not being humble. I, I was bad. Uh, I, we had a guest worship leader come in about two months into my leading worship and my roommate's girlfriend walked up to him afterwards in front of me and said, that's the first time I've experienced God in worship all semester long. Which both is a commentary on her and a commentary on me. I was bad. I mean, I was bad. So, so you can't just be passionate. The second question you have to ask is, what am I good at? What am I passionate about and what am I good at? Because God wired you with certain gifts and abilities and talents. Our worship team is good at singing, good at playing instruments. You might be good at working with people, good at working in systems, good at setting structure, good at using your hands, good at using your mind. I mean, what are you, what are you gifted at? What are you talented at? What are your abilities? And here's an indicator. When you do something, people say things to you like, wow, that really impacted me. That really helped me. Man, when you did that thing, that was such a gift to me. Maybe you're good at, at simply serving people. 
caring for people, being behind the scenes. I, I don't know. I don't know. I know that I'm not talented at leading worship, uh, but when I was 22, I got asked to, sp- to speak at a conference for the first time. I don't know why. I think someone got sick. I don't know for sure. I'd never had a public speaking class. I'd never tried it before, but they said, come speak at this conference. We have five colleges together. College students are forgiving. Just try it. And I went and I spoke at this conference and, and I walked back and forth so fast that one of my friends said she got motion sickness because I was, I was like wearing a, a hole in the track. But at the end of that, there was one person who was not a Jesus follower at that conference because it was a conference for Jesus followers. One person who wasn't a Jesus follower. And I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite anyone who's here. And I knew there was one person. I knew where she was sitting, but I didn't look at her. I was like, anyone who's here, you know? to follow Jesus, to give your life to Jesus. And this woman, she stood up and started crying and ran out. And I thought, okay, so I'm not good at leading worship. Apparently, I'm not good at speaking either. I found out later that, that she, she ran out because God had grabbed her heart and convicted her, and she ended up giving her life to God out in the lobby. And it was like this incredible thing. And I realized, hey, I'm not the best communicator, but, but I'm kind of gifted at that. I, I could do that. And so I've been growing that skill and uh, I had the opportunity to head to India uh, four days after I get this cast off to head to India for two weeks to go and, and, and teach at a Bible college over there and to, um, to, to teach at this big conference with about 1,500 Christians that are coming together and speak at a few churches. And, and actually, the reason why they called us to go over was, you remember that, that $18,000 that we raised last summer to build that church in southern India? Well, the church is built, and they want us to come over and dedicate it. And so uh, it was a last-minute trip, so we're not taking a big team, but my wife and I are going together, and then we'll take a team coming up here in the next year or so to go over. But, but that's how God called me to use my gifts, my abilities. How is God calling you to use your gifts and your abilities and your passions to get off the sidelines and get in the game? I want to do two things as we wrap our time up together. I want you to grab this Connect card because there are some of us, and not everybody, so if this isn't you, don't worry about it, but there are some of us who are sitting on the sidelines and we know we want to get into the game and we know what we're passionate about and we know what we're good at and we know how God wants us to serve in the church. Some of us who do. If that's you on the top of the Connect card, I've given us just six ways. It's not all-encompassing, just six ways to try serving in the church. And I want you just to look at those. On the back of the card, uh, under where it says, New Life, I Would Like To. You can get involved in our Kids Life ministry. And I can tell you, we have 10 available spots to serve in our Kids Life ministry. That ministry is growing and developing. We need passionate, gifted people to say, yes, that's where God's called me to get into the game. Uh, You have the opportunity to to train and raise and guide children to love Jesus. What an incredible thing. If that's you, I want you to mark that on your card. And you can do it, you can say, I want to do it in the AM services, or I want to do it in the PM service, and we contact you. Same thing with our zone ministry, elementary age kids. I want to serve in that capacity. Maybe you want, maybe you just have a gift of, of, of hospitality, and you want to get this church ready, this place ready for people to come on Sundays. You can be part of our guest services team, preparing communion, welcoming people, greeting people. There's behind the scenes stuff, there's upfront stuff. Um, worship and production teams, landscaping. Uh, maybe you just love using your hands and getting dirty and you want to you surf through landscaping. Mark that down. Join a cooking and decor team. You don't have to be a, a, a chef to do that. You, you just have to want to help out. We put people to work. Listen, I, I can't cook to save my life, but I've been serving on a cooking team all summer long and I've loved it. They just said, chop this, cut that, do this, pull the plates out. Uh, it, it's been great. It's been great. So maybe you just have some interest in that. Uh, we're going to talk to you about 
uh, group facilitating, life group leading a little bit later on. But those are just some ways to serve. And if you're on the sidelines, I just want you to get in the game. Not for new life's sake, for your sake. Because when you get in the game, you get connected to Jesus. Because we are a community. Jesus said 2,000 years ago, on the confession that Jesus is the Son of God and that he's drawing the world back to himself, on that confession, I'm going to build my gathering that's going somewhere together and nothing will overcome it. And we want to be a, a gathering of people that's moving together. Nothing can overcome. And here's how I know that we are becoming that group of people. Because as we come together, as we grow, as we serve, as we love, people are drawn to that. And I'm finding people are being drawn to our church right now. Our church is, is growing both in our love for God and our love for people. And that's translating to our church is growing numerically because new people are coming into the church because they're seeing, wow, this is a community that loves people, that loves God. And our church is growing bigger and bigger and bigger. We're going to be up over 600 people pretty soon. And, and, uh, and I think that's incredible. Some of you think, I don't want our church to get big. I don't, I don't like that. And I would say this to you. Do you want lost people to meet Jesus? If the answer is yes, do you want people to, to find healing in Jesus? Do you want marriages to be restored because of Jesus? If the answer is yes, then you want our church to grow. Then you want our church to grow. Because we can't stay small and reach our city at the same time. So you want our church to grow. You just don't know it yet. But here's what I want to do for you, because we're a community of people growing together. We're always looking for ways to be that community together, to, to grow bigger, but also get more intimately connected to each other, to form relationships deeper than ever before. And our leadership team has, has found an incredible tool called Community Church Builder. And that's going to be a key way for us to grow together as our church continues to grow, to get to know each other more fully. And so what I want to do is, we said today, bring your laptop to church, bring your tablet to church, bring your um, smartphone to church. I want you to go ahead and grab that and turn it on right now, because I want to take you through Community Church Builder for a few minutes. And this is where I get to kind of be Steve Jobs-esque. I'm going to point at the screens. I'm going to show you some cool functions. It's going to be very exciting uh, for, well, at least for me. And I think very exciting for you. So grab your smartphone. It's okay. Turn it on. It's okay if you get called, you know, don't answer. Put it on silent. Uh, and then I want you to, to get on to um, newlifepetaluma.org once you're on. And if you, by the way, if you don't need to use our Wi-Fi, don't, because a lot of us do need to use the Wi-Fi. And the more people that get on, the more it slows down. So if you have a data plan, use your data plan. If you don't have a data plan, use your smartphone. Uh, use your, your, uh, the Wi-Fi. And if you don't have a laptop, a tablet, or a, um, a smartphone, watch what I'm going to show you here. And then we have about 15 computers around the back of the room. And we have a ton of people who have these name tags on that say, I'm a community builder. Uh, they're your hosts. They're here to help you. They're here to get you connected. So we're literally going to, in a few minutes, you're actually going to get up. And if you don't have a computer, you can just go to the computers back there. They all have tablets in their hands. They're going to guide you through. It's very Apple Store-esque. I'm loving today. I really am. If I could walk around, I'd be walking around doing it too. So I'll be rolling up to you because that, that's how I roll right there. So I've been waiting all day for that. Thank you. Thank you. So go to newlifepetaluma.org. At the bottom of that, there's a little tab that says CCB, Church Community Builder. I want you to click on that, and I'm going to walk you through the Community Builder because it has two key functions. It's going to be the way that our church builds community with each other. It's going to be the way that we de decentralize information so you can connect with each other. So you don't have to go through one of us on staff. You can actually just connect with each other. And it's going to be a key way for you to use your gifts and your abilities and your passions to move somewhere with the church. 
to move somewhere with our gathering. So if you need the Wi-Fi, it's, it's New Life Wi-Fi you can get on. By the way, if you didn't get logged in, if you didn't get that email last week about getting on Church Community Builder, don't worry. We'll get you logged in at the end of this time. So Church Community Builder is this. Let's get to the homepage. So we're logging on here, and, and uh, Justin's going to be my guy upstairs. I love it. We can log on right there, and this is your homepage. When you get to Church Community Builder, it's going to look just like this for everybody on there. The first thing you're going to want to do, it says click here to watch the welcome video. You would click and watch the welcome video. You can walk through. Your homepage has things like your profile to the right. It has the various groups that you're involved in just below that. Uh, Everyone in the beginning will have entire church group. That's where we're all going to be. But as you join life groups, as you get involved in ministries, uh, as you get involved in service projects, those groups will grow. And the groups are a key way for you to communicate with people who are on the same journey that you're on, who are serving with you, who are leading with you, who are engaging with you. And I want to walk you through the tabs. So the first tab at the top is the groups tab. And when you get in, you'll click on the groups tab, and that will tell you the groups that you're involved in. Right now, we're all involved in the entire church group. Uh, If you go to a certain service, you can get in there later when you edit your profile and talk about which service you go to and get you plugged in there. In two weeks, when you sign up for your life group, here's what's going to happen. You will be put into your life group group. You'll get an email through Community Builder from your life group leader saying, welcome to the group. Thanks for joining in. On Church Community Builder, it will automatically put all the dates for your life group onto your calendar on Church Community Builder. So you never have to call your leader again and say, hey, do we have group this week? Or which room are we meeting in? Or when's our service project? When's our party? Uh, hey, can I, can I have a contact list for the rest of our group? It's all going to be on Church Community Builder under your group section. I love the groups function because that's a key way for us to connect with people who are on the same journey as us. Next to that's the calendar tab. Uh, and the calendar tab just gives you a bigger view of what's going on for you throughout the month. So you can see, oh, well, I've got these two conflicting events going on here. I've got these other things happening here. Uh, the calendar tab is a great thing for you. Next to that is the messages tab. When you get an email or a message, it will go straight to your email inbox. But if you lose that, if you delete it for whatever reason, you can come to the messages tab and you can see the various messages scroll down in three categories from your group, uh, church-wide messages. So the emails we send out every Thursday would be in there. And then my messages. And those are messages that you've sent out to your group. The next tab over is the people tab. Uh, And this is where you will search for people. It's kind of the idea of a a directory. So people can put their information in. They can share as much as they want, make it public. If you were looking for me, you'd search for Kevin. You'd find me there. Uh, Then you'd have my phone number, my email address, how you could contact me. And you can make as much information private or public as you want to. It's a really, really great thing. Um, And then after that uh, is the more tab, which we're not going to click on to now. Things to know about the people tab Let's say you heard Ron preach a sermon and you really liked it and you had a question, but you don't know Ron's email address, you don't know his church phone number, you don't know how to connect with him. You'd go in, you'd search for Ron, because maybe you don't know his last name. You'd find Ron Hunt, you'd click on him, you could email him right from there. You meet someone at church on Sunday, you find out your kids go to school together, you want to carpool together, but you don't remember their phone number, you lost it, you threw it away, you can search for him there. You're a handsome guy, Ron Hunt, look at that. Um, He really is, he really is. Uh, You could put the information in, And you could just find that person. You could set up carpools. You could set up rides. You could do all that kind of stuff. The people tab is going to be huge for us. Now let's go back to the home tab for a second. Because I want to talk to you about how you can edit your profile. So right now it says, welcome Johnny. Yours would say, welcome your name. You go to uh, your profile by clicking on that. So go ahead, we can click on that. And then you would want to go to edit profile, which is on the right-hand side, edit profile. 
you click there, and then you have a bunch of options. You can do some basic editing, uh, your first and last name, your gender. We should have that right. Most likely date of birth, all that information. Um, your email address, contact information. If you move, you can just change your address right there, get that information in. Uh, and again, you can make as much of this private or public as you want to, and we can walk you through that. And then at the end of that, you're always going to want to save at the end of each tab. So make sure you save before you go to the next thing. Uh, the next one is my fit. We're going to spend some time in MyFit today because it has to do with serving, with God using us to serve in this community. And it talks about your spiritual gifts, so you can click off any of your spiritual gifts on there. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, uh, leave it blank. We can help you figure that out as time goes on. But you click on your spiritual gifts, uh, mark that down. Then it goes into your passions. So for you single guys, maybe you're passionate about singles. I don't know, you know, figure that out. That's a joke, okay? Apparently, we don't have a lot of single... Oh, all right. Uh, passionate about college people, disabled, you know, folks with casts on their leg. You're passionate about helping your pastor, you know. Uh, all these different things that you can be passionate about, and you can mark those down. And then if someone goes into the hospital and you're, you're passionate about people in the hospital, uh, we could get an email out to you and say, hey, someone's in the hospital. You're passionate about serving people in the hospital. Would you go and serve them and care for them and love them? It's just a great way to build relationships. And then it goes down to your abilities. Starts with hobbies, goes to things that you're professionally, that you do for your profession that you're really good at. So let's say we're looking for someone uh, in the church who wants to do multimedia stuff. We, we have some big projects we're working on, and you love multimedia. We could find you based on your hobbies. We could get you plugged in, serving the way you were created to serve. It's really, it's a huge thing. So hobbies, uh, profession, I think is down below that, uh, and, and then just things that you enjoy, I believe. It, it's just a really, really great great tool. So you're going to want to fill that out in a few minutes, and we'll be talking to you about that. And then below that is the personal style. And personal style is basically, uh, I'm a people person. I'm a task person. Maybe I'm a people person who likes structure or a people person that doesn't like structure. That just helps you figure out and helps other people figure out how they can best set you up in ministry to succeed. So that's that. Um, The other thing we're going to talk about, we're not going to talk about today is the plugged in tab, which, or the social tab, I'm sorry the social tab, which is right next to it. But I want you to go home and look at that. That's how you can share your Facebook page, Twitter page, LinkedIn information, uh, share blogs. Maybe you want to follow the pastor's blogs. Uh, You could find our blogs on our site. You could follow us there, that kind of stuff. So uh, again, this community builder is simply a way for us to, to build a community together as we grow, to get to know each other more as we grow, and then to move together as a community. Uh, What we're doing with this move in one fell swoop is we are decentralizing information. We're giving you the power back because the pastor was never supposed to be the one with all the power. We are a movement. We are going together. But here's the thing. That means you are responsible for your page. You're responsible for what goes on there, for editing information, for making sure things are going the way they should be going. That means that we won't be updating everything for you. You're updating it. So that's why we wanted to start off today with everyone having a chance to do it. So here's what we're going to do. I want everyone to log in the Church Community Builder. If you haven't logged in yet, if you have questions, you can raise your hand. You can go to the back. Literally, I know this is weird because we're in church and we're used to facing forward in church, but, but church is supposed to be about people together doing stuff. So I'm going to ask you to, to like actually talk to each other, to laugh, to make noise, uh, to get up out of your chair and go to the back tables, talk to our community builders, let them get you logged in. If you, um, if you got that email this last week but forgot to log in, you can go to your email, you can log in now. If you don't know how to log in, talk to one of these people with a community builder name tags on. They'll be walking around. They can help you log in. And then when you get in there, I want you to click on edit my profile, click on the My Fit tab, 
and then fill out your information. We're going to take just about five minutes, three to five minutes, because it's a fun, easy thing to do just to get you familiar with it, and then go home and you're going to work on it some more. Uh, in a few minutes, Ron or Angela, one of our staff, is going to gather us back together. Uh, so when you hear them, we are going to come back to our seats. We have a few more things to do that are really exciting, and then we'll be uh, leaving. So uh, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to free you up to go and build some community. Would you join me as we pray? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, you would use the things that we learned about today, uh, that Jesus' promise is that we would be a movement, a gathering of people uh, who is doing something together, who's loving you, who's loving others, and that you would use us to get off the sidelines and get in the game to love and to serve in the way you created us to. And I pray for my friends in this room that if they've never made a decision to follow you, that just hearing about this idea of a, a movement uh, under the belief that, Jesus, you are God, and that you came to forgive us of our sins, that that would stir something inside of us, that we would be able to say yes to you and get into the game and start this journey. And Lord, we do actually, we even pray over, um, over this media, the technology we have. We say thank you for it, God. Thank you that you've created uh, the world at this time to be able to use uh, tools like the internet and media for your purposes so that we can grow in community, so we can walk together. So would you, uh, would you guide us in this next stage? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So some music's going to come on. I want you guys just to, if you have to get up to use a computer, get up and use a computer now. Community builders are coming down the aisles. They can help you get plugged in. You go ahead and start doing it. Okay. I know you're having lots and lots of fun. By the way, I'm rocking my Steve Jobs outfit. What do you think? Yeah, there you go. All right. Anyway, it was old and musty, so I just pulled it out and wore it. All right. Uh, those of you who are back at the tables, if you would make your way to to the chairs, I have a couple of things that I want to that I want to talk to you about. And the first is um, we've talked quite a bit about hiring a junior and senior high pastor, and we brought a guy in from Missouri whose name was Mark Weaver. Had a great time with Mark and his wife Amanda. They went home to pray about it, and uh, in the middle of praying about it for a week. His dad fell over dead with a heart attack, and uh, we've been uh, trying to minister to Mark uh, long distance, but sort of the upshot of all of that is he's not sure he's going to take any position far away from where his mother is right now, so that sort of sends us back to the drawing board. So here's two things. We currently have a candidate or two that we're working with that look great, just as good as Mark, maybe even better in some ways. But uh, I would love to challenge all of us to a week of some sort of um, fasting and connection with God. So um, for some of you, it'll have to do with food. Pick something in your life that you do every day and say, instead of doing that, I'm going to pray to God. For me, it was a real simple thing. I have a smartphone, and when I don't have anything else to do, I, I will take it out. I've, I'm sitting at the doctor's office. I've got five minutes. I'll pull it out. I'll catch up on my email or whatever else I need to do. For me, I'm not doing that for the next week. And I started that over the weekend. I have prayed about our junior and senior high pastor probably 25 times this weekend. I didn't realize how often I was pulling that smartphone out and working on other stuff. So uh, find something that you do every day. And then say, instead, I'm going to pray about a junior and senior high pastor because we would like to get that person here and on board this fall. That makes sense to everybody? 
So I'd like to call you to do that. The second thing is, God's on the move in our church, and we're having just a, just an incredible time this summer. And uh, for the last couple of weeks, you've seen these in the back of, of the chairs or on your chair in front of you. It's a little different this week, so I want you to pull it out because I've got some great news, and, and then I've got a couple of opportunities. Okay, Our goal was to have 32 groups, and we've been looking for 32 people who would pray about leading a life group and engage with God over that. And in the last two weeks, are you ready for this number? 50 people have engaged with God. How cool is that? That is awesome. Now, you know what that means? That means God's up to something, and it's going to be good. So we're rejoicing about that, but we we have a couple of other things, okay? And the second, what, what I want to talk to you about this morning is buddies, because we've got some people who are stepping up to lead, who've actually never led a life group before, but they're taking God by the hand, and they're taking this huge step of faith. And what we'd love to do is we'd love to buddy one person up with every one of those. And our goal, again, is 32, at 32 life groups. We may end up with more than that. But what we're now looking for is people who will buddy with them, either as a coordinator or as a host, and I want to talk with you about what each of those is. A coordinator is a person who works hand-in-hand with a life group leader, and they take on a little bit more of the admin portion of the life group. They connect with the people every week through an email. They keep everybody uh, up to speed about what the life group's doing, about the service project, about the party, all those sorts of things that the life group does once in that 12 weeks. And so we're looking for people who will jump on board and say, okay, that, that, the leader step might have been out there a little too far for me, but you know something? I could be a buddy. I could come alongside them and would happily do that. Now, the interesting thing is for all of this, um, our target is 8 to 12 people per group. So at 8 to 12 people per group and 32 groups, In the past, a lot of our life groups have met here at the church. We're not going to be able to do 32 groups in and through the church. We don't have that many rooms. Plus, this material actually lends itself really well to a home setting. Hence the word host there. Okay, So we'd love to have 32 different host sites where people would say, I could open my home. 8 to 12 people. It's not a huge group, not a big group. 8 to 12 people. So if you could be a host and in that way buddy, or if you could be a coordinator and in that way buddy up, then please um, tear off the bottom part of this like I'm going to do right now and then fill that out. Now I want to, I want to explain what the plus sign is by host because due to a typographical error, there should have been a plus sign also by coordinator, okay? Some of you have been uh, life group leaders in the past, but for whatever reason, uh, you can't see your way clear to be a life group leader this coming fall, but some of the people who have stepped up to be life group leaders, um, they have jobs where they're on call, so there may be one session out of the 12 where they get called out, and they're going to need someone to step into that role. If you have the ability to step in and just be a discussion leader with with previously prepared questions that all come 
with the curriculum, then um, you can either circle the plus beside the, the host, or if you're going to be a coordinator, you can put a little plus sign after the coordinator and circle that. Is that clear to everybody? That's not clear? That is clear. Shake your head one way or the other. Good. I'm going to go with this. All right. There you go. All right. So um, I, I'm going to pray over us, and, and we're going to receive the offering. Uh, and the ushers are going to come, and they're going to pass baskets. And and I know we're, we're, we're multitasking you in about six different ways this morning, but you're a hip group, and you're ready for it, right? So if you're ready to give to God... Um, get your offering prepared. For those of you who are first-time guests, please don't feel obligated to give. Feel welcome to give if you want to. Please don't feel obligated to give. In the offering, we're putting our offering, we're putting our Start Here card, and we're putting this little tab that we've torn off. Is there anything else we're putting in there today? No, I think that's it. Okay? Then let's pray. Father, I pray for my friends this morning I pray as you work among us and move among us. Thank you for 50 uh, people engaging with you around being life group leaders. Thank you for the people that are going to come alongside. They're going to buddy up with them either as coordinators or hosts. Thank you for the people who, who are courageous enough to circle that plus sign and say, I, I think I could handle life group for one night and I could get prepared for that. And I would take that step of faith with you. Thank you that Kevin challenged us this morning to be a group of people who are going somewhere together. And thank you for calling us to go out into our community and make a difference. This morning, Father, as we give to you, we recognize that you take all that stuff, you put it all together And you make it your church. And somehow through your spirit, you change every one of our lives. We're so grateful about that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give. I've got one other thing to say to you, and then we'll get you out of here. Anybody know what is September 15th? A what? A day like... No other. Say it out loud with me, would you? A day like no other. How many of you are going to be here at church on September the 15th? You're going to want to be here. I'm telling you the truth. This is going to be one. I, I know I sound like Kevin right now. All right. I'm telling you the truth. Okay. If you miss that service, you're always going to wish you were there. Because we got some fun stuff that we're going to do. But I want to tell you something. We're going to be casting vision for the future of our church. And it's a huge vision. It's a great vision. And we're not going to ask you for money for it. Are you on board with that? Okay. So if you think this is a ploy to get you in here for us to take a special... Nope, that's not what that's about. But we're going to talk about the future of our church in ways we've never talked about it before. And, and God is on the move, and He's setting us up. Uh, he, he's just getting ready to do some great stuff through our church. And I can't wait to tell you about it. So September 15th, make, make sure you get that on your calendar. Thank you, thank you, thank you for a wonderful morning. Thank you, Kevin, for a great message. Thank you, Heather and Justin, for a great worship. Are we a blessed church? We are. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.